What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain I love hearing from you guys who are fans of the podcast. I love seeing you guys when I'm cruising around the streets or when you stop by on it and all the places where we get to actually make physical contact and say hello, shake a hand, give a hug, all of that. But if you really want to take the lessons to the next level and allow us to be mutual teachers of each other, because in any situation, whether it's even me teaching ecstatic dance, if you're there dancing, you're teaching me as well. And so if you're interested in that, there's a couple awesome opportunities. And the first one is coming up in Los Angeles, November 10th and 11th, and that's going to be the Aubrey Marcus weekend. We have the collection of the most badass coaches. We got Kyle Kingsbury, Aaron Alexander, Christine Hassler, and then we got Duncan Trussell stopping by to give a speech, and Chris Ryan is looking to stop by and give a speech as well. We'll have my partner, Whitney Miller. We'll be talking about relationships and business and then going through all the personal transformative practices, all the physical optimization practices. It's really an incredible opportunity to not only level up throughout that whole weekend, but meet some people of the tribe you know the people who come to these things have some like-minded interests and some goals and some you know i'd be very surprised if you came to the aubrey marcus weekend and didn't leave with some friends that really stuck and um, that's been the case every weekend that we've had every event that we've had people meet each other and those people keep in touch and form their own little tribes and communities and it's just a beautiful thing Uh, if you can't make it out to la or you're not interested in los angeles Or if you want something even more substantial, we obviously have the Fit for Service Mastermind, and that's aubreymarcus.com slash fitforservice. The weekend was aubreymarcus.com slash weekend. So definitely check both of those out. The Fit for Service Mastermind is going to be a yearly program where we focus on different elements of optimization from physical to mental and emotional to spiritual to across the entire gamut, and then have four quarterly meetups throughout the year that are going to be similar to the Aubrey Marcus weekends, but obviously more intimate, more connected. There's going to be weekly accountability, monthly calls with myself. You know, we're going to really be in this together. And the goal is try and bring ourselves to that next level so that we can be fit for service, so that we can be of service, so that we can actually fulfill our greatest and highest purpose. A lot of what Paul is talking about here in this podcast you know, becoming the best version of ourselves, allowing our highest self to come through and show up and be. And then when we're being who we're capable of being, then everything that we're doing is going to fall right in line. So really the mastermind is about bringing you to the capability of what you are. And then from there, figuring out the strategy, once you are that thing, 
of how to implement and show and shine and sing your song and be able to share that message with the world. So I can't wait to see you guys at the weekend. That's going to be incredible. And I can't wait to have these long-term relationships with those of you who are interested in the Fit for Service Mastermind. There is an application process. We're not selecting everybody for the Fit for Service Mastermind. Uh, There is a tuition involved, so make sure you check out all the details because there's a lot of effort that's going to be going into this mastermind. It's going to be one of my primary projects other than Oned and the podcast and the key things that I already have going. Um, But I'm really going to be putting my attention into this and really trying to cultivate and curate the absolute best and most potent group of people to help us all level up you know help us all teach each other and learn from each other so it's going to be pretty incredible and i'm excited about both of those things so thank you so much everybody hope you enjoy the podcast when it comes to the people in the universe that i am most grateful for them existing paul selig rises right to the top of that list and who is paul selig paul selig is just such a nice man from new york who just happens to have a very special skill. And like a violinist or like a great musician, when they play, they get out of the way and something else comes through. It could be a great writer. It could be a great surfer. It's the ultimate form of flow state. But for Paul, it's even more than that because a wisdom comes through him that he doesn't even claim as his own at all. And the wisdom comes through from what he calls the guides which is a higher form of consciousness that dictates through him in this whisper and repeat fashion, which you guys will hear on this podcast. And what's really remarkable is not only the impeccability of the message and the grammar, because the guides dictate entire books, which he dictates live in front of live audiences, but it's really the message. Like the message is what drew me to this in this very strange phenomenon of having words that are not your own flow through you, which I got to say, guys, I've woken up in the middle of the night and put down some poems and put down some thoughts. And I really can't take credit for that shit either. But my thoughts don't particularly have a personality and I can't control when they come. And, uh, you know, Paul has a lot more control over that than me, although he doesn't even have complete control, really. He's in the backseat of the car and, you know, the, the messages that are coming through are really in the front seat. And he just has the opportunity to ask questions about that. But as I was saying, it's not just the method that's impressive and the impeccability of the grammar and how he was able to dictate entire books through a live audience and have them be impeccable. Yeah, that's all cool, but it's the content of the message. And the content of his message is by far the most impeccable spiritual teaching I have ever come across. It is the most transformative spiritual teaching. And even listening to his books on Audible and hearing the books... It's what he calls an energetic attunement, which doesn't make a lot of sense. But if you start listening to him, you'll actually feel your own consciousness rising as well as your own understanding improving. So it's really a remarkable phenomenon. He's a remarkable guy. And I think you guys are going to love this podcast. I did. I love that Paul exists. I love that these teachings exist. And, you know, I'm just doing my very best to integrate them into my own life and utilize them to be the best version of myself that I can possibly be. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. There's some personal and vulnerable moments in here. So I'd love to hear your feedback and what you guys think of this whole thing. So without further ado, Paul Selig. Paul, you're back, my friend. (laughs) Thanks for having me back. So glad to have you back. That podcast that we did the last time was 
one of the most downloaded shows that I've had and one of the ones that people continually refer to. I'll see it pop up in my story and just mm-hmm. mind explosion <laughs> emojis and you know people just blown away by your work. And I think that's a common reaction, not only because of the method, but also because of the impeccability and integrity of the message itself. Mm-hmm. So that has to be kind of a, something of a common experience for people who are just coming in contact with your work. People are finding my work now, and they're, they're, they're actually not being as shocked by the, the kind of transmission that happens, right. and they're hearing the words, and I'm grateful for that. You know, when I first started doing this, I was doing this in my living room for about 18 years with a small group of people who would show up, and I was hiding. You know, I had a website without my name or my photograph on it because I really didn't want people to know what I was doing. I was I was teaching college. So the fact that people are showing up now and receptive to this work and getting it is is extraordinarily exciting to me and and actually you've been you know highly responsible for bringing people to the work and for that I'm grateful. Well, that's absolutely my honor and it's it's an interesting thing because for many people who are skeptical uh-huh. of the practice of channeling it's like describing and saying I know this amazing stone carver. He just uses his fingernails and they're like whatever, you can't carve stone with fingernails, yeah. you know? But then you actually show them the carving, like mm-hmm. show them the words that you've been able to produce and say, and it's basically like showing them an impeccable statue and be like, well, I respect your skepticism. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually think I applaud your skepticism. I'm glad that you don't just trust everything that's out there, but I want you to just take a look at what's coming through. Mm-hmm. Take a look at the message, take a look at the work. Take a look at the words and see if they don't ring with that harmony and vibration of truth that you know to be true Mm -hmm. deep inside. And then open your mind to the possibilities. And I think that's the amazing thing with your work. It's just the impeccability and integrity of these words themselves. They speak so loudly that it opens people's minds to the possibility of Mm -hmm. what might be possible. I'm glad that's so, you know, and I'm glad that that's people's experience of the work you know when i'm channeling i'm taking dictation and i'm hearing things a phrase at a time one after the other after the other i'm just trying to keep up Mm -hmm. and so i'm not having the same experience of the work as somebody else is i actually just sat in a recording studio and 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 read the audio book you know aloud of, of the book of freedom the newest book and it was really my first encounter with the book as a book you know reading uh-huh. it through because much of the time i'm really just trying to keep up and you know the fact that these books you know show up in perfect form i mean all of the books that have come through me are the unedited trans you know transcripts of these sessions, and now they're all done in front of audiences and students. You know, it's it's surprising to me. So, you know, I have this experience of the work going, yes, this is true. You know, I read it. When they speak something through me that doesn't feel right, I question it because it's like I'm when I'm channeling, I'm in the backseat of the car, mm-hmm. and I'm giving the wheel over to my guides to drive. And when I hear something, I sort of lean into the front seat of the car, and I say, what was that? Explain that, unpack that. And for the most part, they do, which I'm grateful for because it would be very challenging for me to be participatory to something that was confusing. And certainly, I couldn't do it if it wasn't true, you know? You know, the the 
act of channeling, it may seem very foreign to people because yeah. it's not an experience that a lot of people have had. But for anybody who's a musician, you know, I, I play the flute, total amateur, but I play the flute. I play the Native American flute. And I know that when I'm out of the way, when I'm in the back seat and I'm just allowing the wind to move through my body and I'm playing the flute, then I'm really playing it. Yeah. But when my mind gets in and I start questioning and thinking about it and adding my own, inter- well, I wonder if I should play this note. Well, I wonder if the tempo's not right. I wonder mm-hmm. what the audience is thinking. Then it actually alters the message of the music, you know, too much. You know, so I think it's it's important to take that backseat role whenever you're doing something that is going to be your best. And and for you in in this case, it's channeling. But for all people, like be willing to just allow things to come through. It's when you're, if you're giving a speech or if you're making love or if you're playing music, mm-hmm. like taking the back seat and just allowing what transpires without your mind being a part of it, mm-hmm. I think is an important practice for all of us. I agree. Yeah. You know, I hear one phrase. That's how it starts. I hear one phrase um, in the voice or with the quality that I, I understand to be the guides I work with. And my job is to give that one phrase voice. Hmm. And the moment I do that, everything sort of tumbles out right behind it. It's like this long, long string that just keeps pulling and pulling and pulling. And when it's over, it's over. And if I try to figure out what's being said, or if I lean into the front seat too much, I'm not going to be effective. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, we have the opportunity now to cover some of the stuff from their newest book that's about to release, mm-hmm. The Book of Freedom. And I've read your books. I started with The Book of Mastery, then Book of Truth, gone through those probably four or five times. I continually listen to them on audio and mm-hmm. get not only the the words and the subtleties and nuances, as you would with any rereading of any great text, but also I love listening to the audio because I feel like it transmits something beyond just the words themselves. And you talk about that as well. So I've covered those a lot. But I have to say, you know, to me, the Book of Freedom was just another escalation, you know, another another way to take this even further, even bolder, you know, and claim even more. And, you know, I, I was funny. I sent an email as I was going through the notes. I sent an email to Kyle with one of the phrases from the book. And uh, I said, you know, are, are we doing this? Like, are, are we going to go? Are we going to do this? Mm-hmm. You know, are we going to let go of our fear? Mm-hmm. Are we going to step into the truth of who we are for real? For real, for real. You know, and I think that's the invitation that the work continues to ask. And it continues to remind us, like, it is possible to really let go of all of these illusions, all these self-limiting beliefs, everything that keeps us small and keeps mm-hmm. us in these tiny prison cells that we have. And this invitation, and almost in this latest book, almost a bit of a challenge. Like, are you ready for this? And it's just absolutely beautiful. Oh, thank you. I'm glad. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, when I say thank you, I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative that you get it. <laughs> but, you know, the funny thing is, like, I don't write it. You know, like, my name's right. on the cover of the book, and I have this really odd experience when people have a large response to the book in any in any kind of response, which is, well, that's your response, but I don't feel all of that party to the creation of it. What I do know is that, you know, this is the Book of, of Freedom is the sixth book that they've dictated, and there's a seventh one that they did over three months, you know, just mm-hmm. that just, just finished. 
And it actually is an escalating teaching. I mean, they're really laying out these steps in gradation for the realization of the divine in form, which is really tripping me out now. And the Book of Freedom seems to be the book where they're saying you have to release your agreement to collective reasoning and the collective structures that have been inherited and who who you think you are in tandem with a landscape that wants you to be as you were instructed to be. And in doing that, then all of these other things become much, much more possible. Mm. But, you know, but as you said, you know, the books are all energetic attunements. So the energy of the book is working with the reader as they read it. And that's what's exciting to me because people are having these palpable experiences with the teachings that I do think are challenging because, you know, if you've been moored into a reality where such things aren't possible and then you begin to have your own experience with this stuff, which is, I think, the reason the books are there, they're really not intellectual teachings as much as experiential ones. Yeah. You know, if you can experience it, you can claim it as your own. And once that happens, things really begin to change. Yeah, absolutely. You can start to see wholesale changes and reminders. And, and it's a remembering and a forgetting. And this was the experience, you know, that I've, I've been talking about literally today. You know, and I, I wrote about it and I messaged my friends and reminding myself and everyone, like, how easy it is to forget. And how easy it is to forget all of these things. Like, I've, I've been through all your books, book mm-hmm. of, you know, and, and the Book of Freedom is fresh. Yeah. But I'd, it'd been a couple weeks since I'd engaged with the text. And in that time, I'd gotten lost in quagmires of fear and suffering yeah. and doubt and feeling small. And then, you know, I read through the notes again and I go, oh, I remember now. <laughs> And you have these moments of remembrance, whether it's plant medicine ceremony or just love you felt or time in nature or this book, you know, we tend to forget and that's okay. Yeah. And it's just how quickly can we remember and how purely can we feel the remembrance and shed the delusions that have kept us from actually experiencing this Mm -hmm. state of bliss, the kingdom of heaven, which is all around us, which is being in the present moment, aware of the gifts of this body and the gifts of this earth. Yeah. Well, that's what they say. You know, I mean, they say, you know, they've been teaching what they call the kingdom for a while. And they say that the kingdom is the realization of the divine that is present in all things. And you can't realize that unless you realize yourself as an aspect of it. Mm. So the exclusion of the body and the exclusion of the form really Mm. sort of precludes one if, if they're to be believed of realizing the divine that's inherent in you know a rock or a tree or or an ocean so they say i mean and they're pretty absolute about this you know god is all things or it's nothing you really can't sort of do it cafeteria style you know it's your fingernails (laughs) and it's the dirt on the street and it's it's what's so beautiful and what you might even call terrible and the idea of terrible they would say i think is a collective idea of what terrible is because we've been taught to believe certain things over time and And it's almost it's almost a short-sighted view you know and there was someone who today who was commenting on and, and fresh from york commenting on the heaviness of the world. Mm-hmm. And it's that is a collective agreement that it's heavy and that it's hard. But then you can also, you know, after engaging your work, see beyond that. It's what Ted Decker calls metanoia, right? Mm-hmm. It's seeing the truth behind those things. Yeah. Seeing that the heaviness, okay, maybe you can notice that on some level. But then you look through it and you see the beauty and the divinity mm-hmm. and the truth 
and the origin its source of love that comes from behind all that and just the layers of fear that might be on top and then all of a sudden the world doesn't look heavy anymore the world looks as it really is yeah which is light and full of love and it's actually seeing it that way that calls it forward to that and allows it yeah. to be that you got it i mean that's it i mean the claiming of the inherent divine my god say realizes the inherent divine to realize something is to know it and to realize it at that level is actually to lift it to the level of perception that you're operating from. So if you're operating in what my guides call, they're talk, they call it now the upper room, which is a whole other new teaching, which I'm, I'm just beginning to, to get comfortable with. If you're, if you're experiencing the world from what they would call a higher octave, which is their phrase, you're actually lifting the world that you see to that level of vibrational accord. Mm -hmm. I mean, the New Agers, you know, like to say, well, you create everything. And I, I think, you know, that can be a little bit narcissistic sometimes. I think that we are party to everything that we see because everything that we see, we're in vibratory accord with, yeah. you know, we're all sort of playing this music, then we're, we're having a collective experience of it. So we're always participatory to, to what we see. And the guides say again and again, you know, what you damn damns you back. Mm. You know, what you bless blesses you. And they say, you know, I mean, you can't be the light and put another in darkness. And what you put in darkness calls you right there to it, which is basically to a lower level of vibration, which is the heaviness you're speaking to yeah and that that judgment in this time that we're in i think is this inter interesting time where the world is shifting radically and people are wondering what to do and, and there's one you know and that idea of you not only just no longer agreeing with these ideas of separation and ideas yeah. of judgment and you know you wrote this one phrase and i was going to read this at the end but I'll, I'll read it now and it really speaks to this and i think a really important way um, this is from the Book of Freedom. Only the one who sings the high note can lift other things to the resonance of that sound. Do you understand this? At the high note's vibration, there is a claiming that lifts the lower to it. You will not lift the atrocity, the battlefield, the hatred, the prejudice, the famine, the war, and the greed by climbing into the mire of it and attacking it with a knife. You will not find your way out. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. You know, it's this whole other radical idea of instead of this is the bad, let's engage with the bad and fight the bad. And mm -hmm. well, let's see the good behind the bad. Let's look at that in such a way and sing the song of the love that was mm -hmm. the initial kernel before mm -hmm. all the forces turned it into yeah. what it was. See that mm -hmm. and sing that song yeah. for everybody. And then watch, you know, allow that to change mm -hmm. what you're looking at. Well, that's what this is, you know, because even the word good sort of implies a duality of good yeah. and bad. But if you see the thing that is frightening, you see the thing that would be called horrific, and you're able to realize that the divine must be present in all things, then you begin to change not only your experience as a witness of it, but you begin to 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 create the the possibility for for alchemy, which is the realization of the divine in matter, which actually does transform things. We're so busy trying to fix things that we don't like. 
And we're, we're doing this, I think, from a template that's been inherited. This is what it should look like, and this is what we want things to be. And I think as long as we're operating that way, we're never really going to be in any kind of agreement about what things should be. But when you move beyond that to a higher accord, and when they say chord, they say A-C-C-O-R-D or A-C-H-O-R-D, as on a piano. When you're playing the higher chord, the resonance of that is actually lifting what you see to like vibration, which is where real change happens. Mm. So the idea of sort of fixing things, would they, they, they sort of dismiss that a bit. They talk about transforming things or realizing things, knowing them as they truly are beyond the, the cosmetic level of appearance. And I've seen this happen. You know, I look at my old self, right? Mm -hmm. My old self in an argument with my loved one yeah. would try to prove they were wrong, give them all this logic and give this give them anger and the injustice yeah. and yeah. the and all of these logical, rational reasons why they should agree with my point and why they should feel bad for their point and the thing they did. Mm -hmm. And that is a really effective strategy to perpetuate yeah. that feeling for a long time. Whereas you can still express yourself, but if you do that in a way where you see the love behind it, you mm -hmm. have nothing but compassion. That argument that used to be maybe days is now down to minutes. Yeah. You know, and it's it's amazing how effective that is. And I think for me, it's not a teaching of doing nothing. It's not about what you do, it's about how you do it. Mm -hmm. you no, know, yeah, sure. Go in there, keep doing the works, you know, serve the world the way you want. But how are you serving the world? Are you serving it in anger? Or are you mm -hmm. serving it with love and seeing the truth? Mm -hmm. And one is gonna be dramatically mm -hmm. more effective than the other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, they say again and again and again that self-righteousness is always the small self or the personality structure because the true self or the divine self, whatever you want to call it, has no real investment in being known as being right. I mean, that makes no sense. You know, the true self, they say, which is who you really are and who I really am and who everybody really is, is the eternal self. And that's what's being spoken to in these books, I think, and, and the invitation is realization and, frankly, embodiment, which is really trippy. Mm -hmm. Then the idea of service, which they get into a lot um, in the Book of Freedom and the book that they've just completed, the idea of service has changed, too, because we're so sort of anchored to this idea that, you know, how we serve is our career or what we do or what we're seen as doing. And the guides say, really, how one serves is, is how one expresses their true self and fullness. It's the divine expressing as you. And the thing is, when you begin to work with this stuff, the teachings are actually not theoretical. They're actually things that can be experienced on a palpable energetic level. So even the claim, I know how I serve, which is one of the claims that they work with, you can actually begin to feel the shift in the vibratory field when you work with it. You know, there's this claim, and, and you introduced this session, you know, within the people, with the people in the room saying, I know who I am, I know what I am, I know how I serve. And the claim, I know who I am, is made by the true self. The true self knows who he is. 
knows who she is. You know, she doesn't need to be told or reaffirmed or encouraged. The divine self, as you, knows who she is because how could he or she not? That God within knows what it is. Um, And what means in form and manifestation as who and what you are. And the claim, I know how I serve, which I didn't realize was its own attunement until they started working with this, is is its own expression. They talk about these claims, I know who I am, I know what I am, I know how I serve, as notes on a piano that comprise a chord. And when the chord is played, the resonance of the energetic field has a shift that then expresses itself. You know, I did a workshop, I mean, this is off the subject, but I did a workshop just this last weekend in Houston, and there was this man there who was probably about 70 years old. His kids or his grandkids had given them the books, and he'd been working with them. And he stood up in the room, and the guide said to him, you know, claim this. And there's a claim that they're working with in the newest book, and the claim is, you know, I have come, I have come, I have come. And it's the divine self in manifestation and arrival. And this man, he's a very humble guy, you know, he just stood up there and he said it and the whole room felt waves of energy coming off of this guy and lifting the room. And that's what these books are really about. They're really about the reclamation of the divine in form as who and what you are for the benefit of lifting the world. So what you do in your life and service is then an expression of who you are. Do you understand? It, it doesn't have to look right. It doesn't have to, to be right. It is right because the divine is you is what's an expression. Who you be is yeah. so much more important than what you do. You got it. You know, and there's this great, you know, uh, quote you have in there that, you know, yeah, you can have your career. Like, enjoy it. Have fun. Play with your career. Maybe you need your career to learn that the career actually isn't that important. Or maybe you need it because mm-hmm. it is who you are. But really knowing that it's not about what you do. Because most yeah. of my life, I really believe this is, okay, what I do is who I am. Yeah. But now it's like, I got I to gotta reverse that. Who I am mm-hmm. and, and who I truly am and how I am being in expression then dictates what I do. <laughs> and then as I do it in that manner, then I'm doing it in a way that is actually serving the best Mm -hmm. you know so it's kind of flipping this around and instead of trying to constantly prove who you are to yourself which the small self constantly needs validation because it's not grounded in that eternal pathway and that eternal source of love it it constantly needs to define itself based on oh does she love me or does he love me does the world approve of me how many likes did i get on that instagram post what what are all these things that it can it needs to validate itself so it's constantly hungry but if you really know who you are and you don't need any of that, then you can stride gallantly and with love and really serve. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think, you know, the whole, my, you know, the guides, when they teach this stuff, I mean, it's it's challenging for me. You know, I am not a spiritual teacher and I'm not a guru and I'm this guy that shows up and sits in a chair and takes dictation. And as a result of this, has, has developed abilities you know, that are empathic and, and and provable from what I understand because I've been film working and stepping into other people and then somatizing their stuff. So, you know, all of that stuff is is stuff, but the personality structure that I hold is still active. And what the guides are teaching is, you know, that's not who you really are. 
you know, nor are you your gender or your ethnicity or your religion or any of these things. These are ways you can know yourself. Mm-hmm. And there are handy ways that we all meet one another in the world. And it's nice to know that you have similar interests that I do. And, you know, we can get along at that level. But that's still operating at a somewhat superficial level. To realize the truth in someone, to know who they are, is to realize the divine that is expressing as them. And to do that actually bypasses the personality structure. Mm-hmm. You're, lift, you're, you're, you're sort of, you know, it's like the person who thinks that they're unattractive or unworthy or whatever. And, you know, that personality structure is used to operating in a world that's going to confirm that. Because the guides say we all have these little frames that we walk around in that are seeking to confirm what they think they are. So I'm a success could be a frame, and then everything you're calling to you is to to affirm that idea of success. But when you witness the divine, you're actually witnessing beyond those claims of the smaller self. And what happens is you're actually meeting the person at a a level that's, I'm going to use the word holy, for lack of a better word. And the recognition of this isn't again, an intellectual thing. I mean, the guides say again and again, you can't make anything holy. Everything already is holy. You're just not recognizing it. But to recognize the divinity in another is actually to reclaim them as who and what they are, which actually impacts, again, the whole field. And there's something that happens. And the guides say, you know, this is how the world is lifted. It's not lifted by affirming all the crap that doesn't work. Because all we're doing then is putting up that little frame and calling more of the crap that doesn't work to it. It's realizing what already is that operates in a higher level. Yeah. It's why there's, you know, I I think people say the words, I love you. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a lot of issues with the definition of love. Yeah. And the way that we use the word love. But I've always felt that a stronger thing to say than I love you is to say I see you. You know, because if you really say, I see you, and I mean it, and, and, and see you from your absolute divine self mm-hmm. all the way through the personality structure, through mm-hmm. the fears and through mm-hmm. the insecurities, and that, but you see all the way to the core. Yeah. Because at that point, if you're able to see that, your love that you carry, that spark of love in your own heart will see their spark of love in their own heart and interplay and yeah. interchange in that the purest form. Uh-huh. So to look at another, no matter what they're going through, and whether you say it or not, but to see them, see yeah. them on all levels, all octaves, uh-huh. back to the octave of God, all the way through to the octave of the lusts and greeds and yeah, yeah. everything. And just, I, I yeah. see you. Yeah. And you, you'll have that love, the true yeah. love. Right yeah. Well, that's acceptance. When you're seeing at that level, you're accepting. You're not, you're not excluding anything. Mm-hmm. So if I love you if you do what I want, or if I love you because you're doing what I want, you're not talking about love at all. You're talking about some kind of contract that you're creating for behavior and how you're going to get your needs met. But what you're describing is, is knowing someone and to know the totality of someone, which is acceptance and if you really can then cherishing even that other stuff that isn't so great as part of the whole then you can realize it you know i think this idea that and i you know am guilty of this in my own life and i do it to myself but i can sort of 
love the, the healthy parts of myself that are mm-hmm. well-developed and, and are operating well and really be fairly critical and cruel to those aspects of myself that are. And those are the things that I'm putting outside of love or God or whatever yeah. you want to call it. And to the extent that I do that, I'm tethering myself to the lower and I'm actually reinforcing the very things that I want to see change. So when you're able to do that for somebody in your life, what you're doing is you're actually claiming the entirety of them, which is is love, in my opinion. And it's so crucial to be able to do that not only for other people, but yourself. And sometimes the self is actually even harder. You know, it's it's somewhat, oddly enough, where it should be easier, it's sometimes harder to see yourself through that and to remember your divinity through that and to accept radically and forgive radically the all the expressions that have fallen short of your divine ideal because the divine ideal was there through the whole time and you were learning the whole time and it was always there it never left it wasn't that it wasn't there and you can see that mm-hmm. and just say oh well this was how I was choosing to learn I was choosing to learn by being a dick for a little while okay I'll try not to do that again, you know, mm-hmm. but not, and you talk a bit, a lot about guilt and shame in this. Yeah. And if you have shame, then you won't even look at the parts that you're a dick. You'll justify, well, that person deserved it. Well, I was that way because of this. And But if you don't have the shame and you don't need to carry guilt because you can see through it and you can look at all of your behavior and just say, oh, I, I see all that. I, I'd like to change that. I think there's a different way to express but you don't have to carry that judgment and you can yeah. find your way back home uh, so much faster. Yep, you're right. Yeah. Well, I have some questions um, that I want to dive into here. Sure. And, uh, you know, feel free to answer them and get help as you like. I, I um, may need it. Yeah, <laughs> we all do. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we're, our mutual friend is Ted Decker. Mm-hmm. And he talks a lot about the world of polarity. Mm-hmm. And that's this the physical manifestation where we're in, where there's mm-hmm. two opposing forces. There's that. And I wanna I wanna get your language surrounding in this world of polarity, what are those two opposing forces? They don't, you know, the guys that I work with have never talked about it. So I don't know. I mean I can tune in and see if they want to address it. Mm-hmm. But you know, they talk about things existing in a, in, in, in octaves. And within every octave, there's a scale, you know, of high and low. And so the idea of of good and evil, I think they would say, are really just different levels of a spectrum because, frankly, God is all things. Mm. So if you make something evil, you put something outside of God. I mean, I asked, and it's in one of the books, maybe in the Book of Freedom, I'm not even sure, it was a recent book, where there, you know, the question came up around fear, and the, you know, is fear of God? If everything's of God, is fear of God? People say, well, there's love and fear, and though there's two different things, right. and the guide said, yes, you know, fear mm-hmm. is part of God, but it doesn't know itself as of God, and that's the problem. When fear is recognized and released, it's be it's of its source anyway. And I suppose that's true for all of us. You know, we're already divine, but we shield ourselves from that because we don't think we can be. I mean, it's easier for me to say God is in that tree outside than in what I see in the mirror some days. It's much sure. easier because I can accept the goodness of the tree. 
you know, but until I'm able to do that for myself and for you and to realize that, I'm going to be existing in that agreement to separation. Mm. Now, the guides talk a lot about separation. I suppose you could say separation and polarity are the same thing. And separation is a collective belief. I mean, this is how they describe it. You know, they say you've got the sky and you've got the sea, or you've got the sky and you've got this room. We're in a room, but we're assuming that the sky ends where these walls are, but the sky is filling this room. Mm. We're all in the sky. Now, if God, or whatever you want to call God, whatever that energy is, is informing all things, It's informing every cell of your body, everything you see, and the realization of that, which can be realized at a scale, you know, will give you the opportunity to know the divine in all manifestation, you know, and to know something, again, they say, is to realize it. Now, when something is realized, they guide say it is renowned, rearticulated. They say everything, frankly, they say everything is just an idea which I'm still trying to understand. Everything is an idea. Being a man is an idea. This table is an idea. Everything is an idea that has been made into form or articulated, announced by language into vibratory accord to what we've made it as. And to realize the divine in all things is to move beyond this idea of separation. So So to dive into this a little bit more, there's there is seems to be a quality to fear mm-hmm. where fear calls to itself more fear yeah you know and love calls to itself yep. more love so while it is all god it because it must all is of or nothing is and mm-hmm. you say that in the yep. way and i think that's brilliant and i think so there is a collapse of mm-hmm. polarity in truth in the highest octave of truth is a complete collapse of polarity because it is god but there is seems to be that force of fear or the the lack, which is really a lack of knowing that it is God. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a delusion, yeah, to a certain degree. And the delusion is persistent enough, and wants it wants to create more of itself. Whereas, and then the divine also wants to create more of itself. So it's it's in some ways, I guess that's where the polarity somewhat falls. It's a knowing of itself and a yeah. denial of itself. But I suppose the idea then is making fear bad or wrong. And fear is potentially yeah. another opportunity to learn. I mean, the guides I work with say, if you want to learn, you know, the consequence of separation by blowing up your planet, you can do that. It's a way to learn. I mean, they're completely n- pretty neutral about this. I mean, if you want to learn through what you have been doing, keep on doing it because the outcome is pretty obvious. Yeah. And, but they say, you know, you can learn a lesson. Like, I can learn not to put my hand on a hot frying pan by doing that and drawing my hand away. I may never do it again. And there are kinder ways to learn that can be learned, you know, and you can learn that when you're not looking to fear to be your teacher. You know, what the guides do at the end of the Book of Freedom, and it was an interesting thing. They say, you know, they invite everybody to climb up these stairs and to cross this threshold. And there, it was like a surprising ending to the book. And they say, everybody's welcome. You know, come, 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 come. 
And what they're teaching now, everything they're, they're teaching, they say, is being taught from what they call the upper room, which is a higher octave. And to operate at that level, you're simply choosing not to be learning your lessons at the level of fear. You can do it if you want to. Just go back downstairs. Mm -hmm. They say if you want to learn the lessons as they can be learned on the 20th floor, you can do that, but you always want to run down to the basement every time something frightening happens. And the way to learn the lessons in the higher vibratory field, in the, the upper room, the higher octave, whatever you want to call it, is to lift what you encounter to the upper room, which is then not to engage the fear. And you said it, the action of fear is to claim more fear. And the guys, they said it a million times, look at the last choice you made because you were afraid and see what it got you. I suppose, and I should let them, yes, please. And they're saying, like, yes, please. Like I was saying, I should let them uh, say, like, yes, please. Can I say a few things? They're saying, we're going to say a few things if, in fact, we're allowed. If, in fact, we're allowed, you're describing our teaching. You are describing our teaching as best as you can, as best as you can. And he is a student of the class. And he is a student of the class and learning in his own way and learning in his own way. And we are grateful for attendance. And we are grateful for his attendance to the teachings, to the teaching, which correct two things. And we wish to correct a few things, the teaching of polarity. The teaching of polarity is, in fact, a teaching of separation, is, in fact, a teaching of separation. Now, separation is an idea. Now, separation is an idea, and frankly, it is manifest in this world. And frankly, it is manifest in this world through collective agreement to it, through collective agreement to it. You believe yourself to be separate from God. You believe yourself to be separate from God. You believe yourself to be separate from God. You. And you believe yourself to be separate from the one beside you, as you perpetuate this. As you perpetuate this, you create more, you create more and align to the obligation and align to the obligation through choice, through choice of what separation brings you, of what separation brings you if you wish to end your lives. If you wish to end your lives by war, by war, continue on this path, continue on this path because war is an illustration, because war is an illustration of separation, of separation, of the that occurs there and the learning that occurs there. It is not evil. It is not evil evil, but it is not necessary, but it is not necessary to call something evil. To call something evil is to claim it anathema, is to claim it anathema outside of the divine, outside of the divine, and by that act, and by that act, you prescribe an outcome, you prescribe an outcome of separation, of separation. You wish to cut it away, you wish to cut it away, but until it's known as God, but until it is known as God, it cannot be reseen, it cannot be reseen, or reclaimed, or reclaimed or lifted to the higher octave or lifted to the higher octave where we abide where we abide. We cannot do this for you. We cannot do this for you. We give you the tools, but we can give you the tools for realization, for realization. We'll support you in this that will support you in this. Anything that's been seen, anything that has been seen and decided upon by you and decided upon by you is operating in a vibratory field, is operating in a vibratory field. Anything may be known. Anything may be known in transition, in transition, or a lifted state, or a lifted state. Any song may be played, and any song may be played in multiple octaves, in multiple octaves. You may play the song in a low note. You may play the song in a low note or a high one or a high one, the high vibration. The high vibration will call to it things, will call to it things of like accord, of like accord. To damn anything, to damn anything is to call you to the darkness you went in, is to call you to the darkness you have claimed it. And the pious would say, the pious would say, this is what we must do. This is what we must do. 
to protect ourselves, to protect ourselves. But that is heretical. But that is heretical. Whatever you put outside the light, whoever you put outside the light, whatever you damn, whatever you damn, damns you right back, damns you right back in your belief in your sanctity. And your belief in your sanctity will be lessened, will be lessened once you understand, once you understand that you are supporting, that you are supporting the fear that you say to one, the fear that you say you don't want. If you wish to know what polarity is, if you wish to know what polarity is, what polarity is, they are magnetic opposites. They are magnetic opposites. And while you may operate in a magnetic field here, and while you may operate in a magnetic field here, that is not this teaching. That is not this teaching, period. And they're saying, period. Beautiful. There's a phrase that you say in the Book of Freedom, and this one was really impactful for me. To be in an encounter with fear does not mean you have to be afraid. Yeah. To be in an encounter with fear and remain unafraid is how you know you have lifted. Correct. And I think what we're saying here is instead of viewing fear as evil and fear as bad and fear as... You can acknowledge fear, mm-hmm. acknowledge it, but acknowledge it and see behind it, see the illusion that it's created, see it... And see it in a different way and and, and, yeah. and almost engage with that. Oh, here, here comes the fear. Mm-hmm. Ah, I have love for that yeah. fear because I have love for all that is there, right? And, and still acknowledge it, lift above it, but don't be in it. Don't be stuck yeah. in it. They're saying the invitation of fear is to not act upon it. So that's that's the key here. So don't act on the invitation. So somebody can invite you to jump off a cliff, and you you hopefully know enough to say, no, that's not a good thing for me to do this afternoon, you know? <laughs> but when somebody says you should be really afraid of so-and-so and what they're about to do or those people over there and what they could do, you know, we're being taught to fear all day long. I mean, just turn the news on, you know? And once you give your authority over to fear, you're very easily controlled. Yeah. So the true self, the guides would say, is never afraid. And they say the claim, I know who I am in truth. I know what I am in truth. I know how I serve in truth. I am free. I am free. I am free. We'll call you back into present time, which is the only time you can know anything. And the guides have said often, you know, when you truly know something, you're never afraid. You know, in your knowing, you're not afraid. I mean, I've thought about this in my own life because I was like, well, what about if somebody gave me really bad news, like you get a bad diagnosis or something? You know, and I, I, my understanding is when you get that news, you're not afraid. You accept it. You get frightened of what's going to happen next. What am I going to do about this? What will happen yeah. next Friday? Do you understand? Yeah. So let me see what they want to say one thing. They're saying one thing. It's a choice. It's a choice to choose fear is to claim it. To choose fear is to claim it. You can honor that it's there. You can honor that it's there and not abide within it and not abide within it. That is up to you. That is up to you. You have been gifted with free will. You have been gifted with free will. Choose what you wish. Choose what you wish. Yeah. I think that's, and that's a choice that we can get in every moment. And I, and I think I was explaining to you when you first arrived, because mm-hmm. we haven't talked much since yeah. my accident. And, you know, a lot of people have talked to me about, wow, is it scary to drive again? Is it, is it challenging? And, and all, and talking about the fear and the, a lot of experiences that people have had with accidents, you know, because, you know, obviously a lot of things happened to me. Well, I, I was fortunate enough in some ways that I was not conscious for most of the accident. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But nonetheless, I woke up in that hospital with my face mangled and bloody. And for some reason, 
I was a, I just had a knowing that the accident happened for me. Yeah. And that knowing removed all fear and removed all doubt about it. So I never engaged with a, a moment of fear around this. Like, you almost died. Yeah, the, the metal almost cut your throat. It almost took your eye. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, well, that could scare me, but it, it didn't. Yeah. Yep. You know, because there's a knowing beyond that and a kind of a trust and a, and a faith. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I'd be curious, and I may, I may actually tune into you and see if I can yeah, hear sure. anything from you about what that was about. But you know, what one of the things they talk about, you know, in their teachings and in the most recent teachings specifically, they talk about the fear of death itself being something that we get to encounter and move beyond because so much of what we're frightened of is actually all wrapped up in that. And really, all that is is they say all that death really is is a shifting of vibration. You know, the envelope that you're operating in is releasing the contents and you're operating at another vibratory level. Like, it's it's just really ongoing. <clears throat> now, I'm going to tune into you. Okay. I haven't tuned into anybody today. We'll see if I can do this. And, um, yes, please. I'm going to ask, give me your full birth name, if you wouldn't mind, because that's how I tune in. I was born Michael Aubrey Christopher Marcus. That's what I'm going to tune into and see if okay. I can hear you. Well, I tune into you around the axe and then forgive me. I mean, you're going to have to bleep me out, but you just go, fuck. (laughs) And the first thing you would do is, how did I do that? 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 And then it's like, what was I thinking? And then it's, I wasn't. I wasn't thinking. I wasn't even here. See, the funny thing is then it's, I wasn't even thinking and I wasn't even here. So you get you get that you're out of your body for the whole thing. You were mm. just not even there, and you're working elsewhere. And I hear, and you were working elsewhere, and you got an assignment. Now, I mean, you're just, you know, you say things like this, and it sounds hokey. And I'll tell you my version of your story, maybe mm-hmm. you know after. But you you basically say, I got a new assignment. I got a new assignment. Like you come back as if you've got a new assignment now. I'm changed you're actually saying that your whole life has changed and i hear you haven't implemented the changes yet but you're about i hear you're about to and it is all about causation and what matters and i'm going to say this to you you know your life i really don't but you're saying you know like none of what was matters matters in the way it did and when I say that, I feel like I'm stepping on a really sort of thin sheet of ice. I'm hearing it crunch. <laughs> and so I don't know if trust what I ice. have. Yeah, exactly. That's the whole thing. It's trusting yeah. the ice. Um, I'm going to go to the guides and see if I can hear anything. He learned what he needed to learn from the experience. They're saying he, he learned what he needed to learn from the experience. going to be next four years. But I hear you're going to be integrating it for like the next four years. It's a big yeah. teaching. And it's a big teaching. It's not about mortality. And I hear it's not about mortality. That wasn't the lesson here. That wasn't the lesson. Here's what it means to be you in a live way. It is about what it means to be you in an alive way, in an alive way, without the body being the choice, without the body being the choice or the mandate of decision or the mandate of expression, the reliance upon the body in this case, the reliance upon. 
upon the body in this case to be the trophy. They're saying to be the trophy, the victor, mm. the victor, the challenger. The challenger was actually compromised, was actually compromised in a way that supported you in a way that supported you in moving on idea, in moving beyond an idea of what you were, of what you are. What you were, were, correct, were, correct this, correct this. They're saying correct this to move beyond the reality, to move beyond the reality of thus far claim that had been thus far claimed, the new reality that comes. The new reality that comes is the integration of the divine form, is the integration of the divine in form. And that doesn't happen. And that doesn't happen when form has been deified, when form has been deified. Do you understand this? Do you understand, understand this? this? So the humility, so the humility of reception, of reception that you underwent, that you underwent is actually reclaiming you, is actually reclaiming you. The body is blessed. The body is blessed and beautiful and beautiful and all things and all things that you may know it as, that you may know it as, but the body is the vehicle of the divine. But the body as the vehicle of the divine requires humility of form, requires the humility of form to be receptive to it, to be receptive to it. There is not an inch of you. There is not an inch of you, a cell of your being, a cell of your being that is not in vibration, that is not in vibration as what it truly is, as what it truly is to the divine body. To deny the divine in the body may come from abhorrence body, may come from the abhorrence of the body, which many have, which many have, or the relishing of form, or the relishing of form to realize the divinity of anything. To realize the divinity of anything is to simply comprehend it, is to simply comprehend it as of its source, as of its source. And in that, and in that, you become the template, you become the template for the higher octave, for the higher octave to be expressed through, to be expressed through. So yes, this was a choice at a higher level. So yes, this was a choice at a higher level. The manifestation of it, four years. They're saying four years, but it's four years of passion. But it's four years of passion. We say this is for you. And we say this intentionally for you. Four years of passion means four years of passion means you are lit. You are lit from the inside, from the inside as the body is assumed, as the body is assumed in the higher octave, in the higher octave. Our teaching now for all our students, our teaching now for all our students is the realization of form, is the realization of form that may be present on this plane, that may be present on this plane because until form is addressed fully, because until form is is addressed fully. You cannot transform the planet. You cannot transform the planet. You cannot transform what exists in form. You cannot transform what exists in form. If you think God, if you think God is not what you are, is not what you are, and what the ocean is, and what the ocean is, what the person over there is, and what that person over there is, who you don't want to talk to anymore, who you don't want to talk to anymore, period. And they're saying, period. It's beautiful. I know... And in this process, I've become aware of how deeply I was fettered and tied and chained to my own methods of validation. You know, I validated my worth, my worthiness of love through my physical expression, the trophy that I had created, the effect that that had had on lovers and, you know, Whitney, my fiance, and how she responded to me and all of these ways in which I was needing to validate that person who I still believed I was, even though I knew at some Mm -hmm. level I was something else. Mm -hmm. And this was a, in a way, although it was bloody and dramatic, also a very beautifully gentle and kind reminder to follow this path 
mm-hmm. and remember what I really am mm-hmm. and what's really important. And that I don't need to validate myself through my appearance and through the you know, submission of uh, someone sexually to my grandeur that I've created, be it the charisma of my smile or the physicality of my body or all of these things that I still, even though I intellectually had kind of, you know, understood that I needed to transcend that. Now it's been the invitation to somatically transcend that, mm-hmm. like to actually, actually do don't the work. But they're saying, don't try to do it, submit to it, submit to it. You think you have to do things. You think you have to do things or achieve at this level or achieve at this level, the gift of your being. The gift of your being is in fact supplication, is in fact supplication to your true self, to your true self who knows what needs to be done, who knows what needs to be done. The small self still wants to run the show. The small <laughs> self still wants to run the show. That's all this is. That's yeah. all this is. That's no ordinary. That's ordinary. That's ordinary. But you're being given a teaching. But you're being given a teaching beyond the ordinary, beyond the ordinary, and you're opening to it. And you're opening to it to understand this. To understand this is to give yourself permission not to know, not to know. To understand this. Do you understand this? And not knowing. In not knowing, you may learn. You may learn. You may be led. You may be led. And you may create. And you may create from a knowledge, from a knowledge that knows truth, that knows truth, that is not seeking to find itself and is not seeking to find itself for the affect for the affect it has upon the world for the affect it has upon the world period mm. okay you you talk about in a lot of the teachings talk about the purpose our purpose here is is to learn yeah is to learn and i wonder you know in the grandest scheme you know is that is that really the value is that truly like the real reason we're here is to learn is that the ultimate value proposition but why 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 do we want to be here to learn what's what's well, i mean the the, you know I'll, I'll go to them in a second you know and they'll i'm sure they'll probably correct me but you know they what i hear from them is we're really all here to be realized Hmm. And to be realized is to sort of reclaimed as who and what we've always been, which is the divine self, yeah. or whatever you want to call it. And that know? is learning to realize oneself. Yes and no. They're saying they're saying yes and no, the act of realization. The act of realization is an encounter with all learning, is an encounter with all learning and a release of all learning and a release of all learning to claim what has always been true, to claim what has always been true. The small self has been taught very poor lessons. The small self has been taught very poor lessons. Now you come to learn, yes. Now you come to learn, yes. You take a body with a list of instructions. You take a body with a list of instructions of things you wish to learn, of things you wish to learn, and how you will comprehend this learning, and how you will comprehend this learning will be in your choice, will be in your choice, not the life you live, and throughout the life you live. That is why you come. That is why you come. Every lifetime is an opportunity. Every lifetime is an opportunity to develop a soul level, to develop at a soul level. Realization is a different teaching. Realization is a different teaching. Realization is the divine as what you are. Realization is the 
divine as what you are, the seed of God in all humanity, the seed of God in all humanity. Call it what you wish. Call it what you wish. The Christ itself, the Christ itself, the divine self, the divine self, the monad, if you wish. The monad, if you wish, the aspect of divine, the aspect of the divine that is instilled in you, that is instilled in you at the birth of your soul, at the birth of your soul, seeks its realization, seeks its realization as and through you, as and through you. And this comes, and this comes, as we say many times, as we say many times, at the cost of the old, at the cost of the old. The old is who you think you are. The old is who you think you are, what you should be, what you should be, and even what those lessons should be, and even what those lessons should be. If you learn, if there is something you have come to learn, you will learn it regardless. You will learn it regardless. It is a gift. It is a gift. You think you are here to be punished. You think you are here to be punished through the lessons you incur, through the lessons you incur, but you don't have to go choosing them. But in fact, you are choosing them and relying upon them and relying upon them for your development, for your development. This is ongoing. This is ongoing. It really never ends. It really never ends. You think you'll become enlightened one day. You think you will become enlightened one day and it will all be over and it will all be over. There is always more to learn. There is always more to learn, period, 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 missing period. There's, they talk about there's a, there's a cost, there's a cost of leaving the known and leaving what you previously were behind. And in so many ways, the cost of that is fear and suffering and pain and angst and anxiety and a lot of that. But there's, there's some part of me that says, oh yeah, but what about, what about like, I was a basketball player. What about when you like, if I wasn't able to really dunk, but let's say I drive by somebody and I score and I get fouled and I get to growl at him like, yeah, you know, that feeling of the ego being dominant or maybe spanking a lover in bed, you know, like, it won't be the same if I spank her and I know I'm spanking myself at the same time. You know, it feels like there's certain pleasures yeah. that, that might, that I might have to let go. And my small self's like, don't do it. Even though you're getting rid of 98% of your suffering, you're going to miss out on this 2% of ego joy. You know, in the newest book, you know, I was halfway through, they were halfway through a lecture in Seattle and all of a sudden they started talking about sex. And I'm going, what the, this is like, what the, like, we didn't hear they were bringing up sex now. And they said, well, somebody asked, so we want to answer the question. And they said, you know, if you've never had sex in the upper room, you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> you have no idea what you're missing because what you're doing, what you do at that level is at a level of vulnerability that you cannot imagine. And that's where real union happens, you know, when you're not pretending, you know. So I don't know that I've ever had that. Maybe one day I'll I'll be lucky. I'll I'll hope so. But, um, you know, I I think what you have to understand about the teachings is the guides seem to get an enormous kick out of our humanity and celebrate our humanity as well. So this teaching doesn't come at the cost of this. The, the, The divine is made manifest in all of you, regardless of what you think of yourself or what you're doing. Mm. I mean, you're as holy as you're as holy when you're spanking your girlfriend <laughs> as you are when you're cursing out the guy on the basketball court. You can't not be right. that. The realization of the holiness and the one that you're 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 cursing isn't going to necessarily stop you from having that pleasure. Do you understand mm. that? Yeah. If you want to beat the crap out of him, perhaps that's something else. Sure. But you know, I think we can and do 
you know, take enormous pleasure in the senses mm -hmm. and what is learned through the senses in this experience. Otherwise, why would you take a body? There's no yeah. point to it. Yeah. You know, the old Gnostic teachings, there's a guy, Jeffrey Kripal, who runs the Religious Studies Department at Rice, who um, wrote the introduction to the Book of Mastery, and he called it a Gnostic teaching. And the Gnostics, I think, and from the little I know, and I read like one book about the Gnostics years ago, they they weren't happy about the body. They thought the body was something you were sort of stuck in until you got rid of it. And Victoria Nelson, who was on the phone when I was dictating the first few books, she was present. Now they're all done in front, front of lots of people. She said it was a hermetic teaching because the guides are actually speaking to form. And the divine is made manifest as who everybody is in your encounter with the manifest world. Yeah. And I don't think that they're necessarily that different. I'm not a scholar. So I would say you get to have your fun too, if, that, if that's of any comfort. You, have, you say in the book, we have never asked you to, this is coming from the guides, we've never asked you to renounce anything. Yeah. We would never do that. Yeah. And that's, the, I think, another beautiful element of this teaching where people have tried to separate these things. And I think, I think probably one of the better ways I've seen it explained philosophically is in some of the Toltec teaching, they call it your controlled folly. So mm -hmm. it's, yes, as you're dunking the basketball on your friend and growling, and there's some aspect of you that knows, like, well, isn't this silly? Yeah. Isn't this silly and fun? And this is part of the games that we get to play. It's like getting really fired up when you're playing a board game with your friends mm -hmm. or playing FIFA and you're running around the room yelling goal. You know, it's like some part of you knows I'm playing FIFA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I'm not, I'm, and you can also get lost in it. Like I was in a, in a dorm room in college and we'd play NHL 99 and people would get mad and throw the control and actually be, they forget that mm -hmm. it was a game. And yeah. that was actually part of their fun too, I suppose. But I, I think that idea that you can keep so much of the stuff, but just keep that shred of awareness of who you are and say, look at me playing the game. Look at yeah. me playing the FIFA of life mm -hmm. right now and, and not get lost, not engage fully, completely at that level and get lost. Yeah, I think I, mean, I agree with you that, you know, the guides say, that the personality self, which is the one that has all that stuff, isn't disbanded necessarily, but it's no longer sitting in the throne, sort of directing what's supposed to be. I mean, the guides say, you know, the small self rules a small kingdom, you know, and the true self, the one who knows who he is or she is, as of the divine, is the one who bears witness to the divine in all manifestation. Yeah. It's a real simple thing. But they've talked about the small self or the personality structure as being assumed by the true self. Yeah. You understand? It's an aspect of you. But like, you know, you have hair on your head. I, I almost don't anymore. And, you know, the hair isn't who I was. It was an aspect of who I was. Sure. Do you understand? That's sure. all. You know, you think of someone like, so Jesus Christ, the man, was able to bring forth Christ consciousness, recognize who he truly was mm -hmm. in, in body and in form. But you think of him as this really serene, kind of boring, no sense of humor. But like you imagine that, and then you imagine him as one of his apostles is about to sit down. That's, this didn't exist, but imagine that he had a whoopee cushion, and they're about yeah. to sit down, and he slides the whoopee cushion, and you know, Apostle Paul sits on it, and it makes mm -hmm. a huge farting noise, and Jesus just cracks up laughing. Mm -hmm. Like that form of Jesus, mm -hmm. like, I love that one. I yeah. love that one even more. One that can still play and still like, that whoopee cushion joke was just hilarious, you know, and have that. And I think to me, you know, opening up that possibility 
that becoming who you are doesn't mean that you lose your sense of humor and you're not funny and you don't play and you don't engage in the tangible things of life anymore. I it's think that's not, a false yeah, belief. I do too. I don't think, I think then why would you have taken a body and why would you have <laughs> yeah. come? I mean, this is part of the experience of being alive. So, but the guides do teach the realization of the divine self, which is they call the, the word, they, they use the term Christ in, in their books. And they call it, they say the Christ is the aspect of the creator that can be realized in material form. It's the divine that has come that seeks its own embodiment, its own expression as who and what you are. And they speak to the Jesus teachings as this was done, the way has been shown, but none of you do it. You've created these religions that are somewhat corrupt in, in their expression these days because Diamonds they become about- Diamonds of truth poured in a mortar of distortion. I read yeah. that and I was like- Guides are getting poetic now. That was Is that in this book? That was beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that was in the book. Of, yeah, in the yeah, book yeah. Of they're good. They're good. <laughs> they're yeah. really fucking good. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you, though, about, so there is this personality self and there's yeah. the divine self. And you talk about the braiding of the wills. Yep. And this is a this is a topic that I think is very, it's a bit dense. And it's hard to kind of understand oh. that there's a personality self that can make choices mm -hmm. and has free will yeah. and then there's the divine self that also makes choices and somehow those are woven together in mm -hmm. a, in this kind of constant compromise yeah. where they're in conversation and compromise like my small self under no circumstances did my small self choose to get in that car accident mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but i 100 percent believe that my divine self my higher self did because this was an important way for me to learn as we discussed mm -hmm. so in that case I got trumped, <laughs> you know, but in certain yeah. other cases, when I go to the, when I go to the store and I choose my vanilla yeah. keto ice cream over my chocolate peanut butter ice cream, divine selves like eat whatever ice cream yeah, you want. That's, that's it. I mean, they talk about that. They say, you know, you have preference, you know, this one likes blondes, that one likes brunettes. <laughs> Those are preferences. Yeah. But most of the, a lot of the preferences that we have, we've actually inherited because we're taught what to want. And we're taught what to aspire to. And we assume it's our free will choosing. But in fact, it's just the collective telling us what we should have mm -hmm. and what's going to make us happy. So we're choosing from this kind of limited menu that's been handed to us. And all the, the really good stuff may not even be on there. The stuff that's really going to do it for you or for me. Yeah. So the braiding of the will, they're still teaching will, and they're still unpacking that teaching. But they, this is sort of how I understood it a little bit. So, you know, some of us were, were given this teaching or have heard this teaching, you know, thy will, not mine, be done, as if there are, there are, the small will is a negative. Do you mm -hmm. understand? Like, yeah. that's just no good. So take the will, you know, and surrender the will. And I think what the guides are saying is that when the will is braided, the, the higher will sort of agrees to braid with the lower will. Then it becomes one will, and you become expression, exp, an expression of divine will. Do you understand this? Yeah. So it's not about sacrificing the lower. It's about the merging of the two. So that doesn't mean you're not going to want, you know, the keto ice cream or the peanut butter. You're going to choose whatever you want. You still yeah. have choice. The guides are teaching a little bit more now about how to understand choice in the moment. And some of this can really be done on a kinesthetic level. 
You know, you really can tune into yourself and know at what level you're choosing from. Now, what are some of the, and, and, and uh-huh. you can keep going, but I want to go into the, this is my next place. Sure. I want to go into the, what are some of the practical step-by-step ways to hear to hear the will of the high of the higher will. Well, they're saying not hear the will. They're saying know the will. Know the will. They're saying be in your knowing. Understand what knowing is. Understand what knowing is. Knowing is the true self. Knowing is the true self. There will be no lies there. There will be no lies there. When I truth they're saying in truth, a lie cannot be held. When we claim I know who I am truth, when we claim I know who I am in truth, that means without the lie. That means without the lie and the distortion and the distortion, what I am in truth, what I am in truth, again in that alignment, again in that alignment, to know is to be, to know is to be in one's knowing, in one's knowing, the claim I am in my knowing, the claim I am in my knowing will support you in this, will support you in this, understand the difference, understanding the difference between knowing and thinking will do as well, will understand the difference between knowing and thinking will do it as well, do this, yes, they're telling me to do this, I don't remember I did this one night, we talked the last time. But just go to a time in your life when you knew something, any time. I knew I was in love. I knew the relationship was over. I knew I got what I wanted. Anything, okay. right? Got it? Mm-hmm. Remember what it feels like to know. Mm-hmm. And now let's go to think. <laughs> I think I know how the event is going to go tonight. Yeah. I think I know what I'm having for lunch tomorrow. Yeah. I think I know how long I'm going to live. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. And feel the difference. Now, what I understand this to be is when I know there's no question attached. Do you understand that? There's yeah. no question. And when there's no question, the guides say you're really pretty much required to act upon that, even if the information you're giving is being given is not to act at all. Yeah. That doesn't circumvent thinking the place of thinking. Okay. So that may be of, of some help. Let me go to them and ask the best way for people on a practical level to know, to align to the potential. Again, to align to the potential that they can. They rely upon external information. They rely upon external information to direct their lives, to direct their lives. They don't even ask anymore. They don't even ask anymore what is for their highest good, what is for their highest good, what will be a benefit to their soul, or what will be of benefit to their soul, to their soul. Now, to ask that question, now, to ask that question, what is a benefit to my soul, what is of benefit to my soul, is to move beyond limitation, is to move beyond limitation. Will I have a nice time tonight? Will I have a nice time tonight? I'll go to the party then. I'll go to the party then. Would it be a benefit of my soul? Would it be of benefit to my soul, to my soul, to go yes, to go yes? You will get an answer. You will get an answer. You don't know what's at the party. You don't know what's at the party. What may be at that party? What may be at that party may change your life, may change your life. The small self will obscure the true choice. The small self will obscure the true choice because the small self's investment in history, because because the small self's investment is history. You must understand this. You must understand this. The small self knows itself through historical data. The small self knows itself through historical data. It doesn't comprehend the new. It doesn't comprehend the new. It would seek to name everything it sees. It would seek to name everything it sees in the vocabulary it's inherited, in the vocabulary that it's inherited. Your soul knows what you need. Your soul knows what you need to develop through, to develop through, and will bring it to you, and will bring it to you. Align to your soul's choices. Align to your soul's choices. 
voices, and you will know, and you will know. We underline will three times for him. We underline will three times for him. <laughs> this is a new teaching he needs it to. This is a new teaching he needs it to. What is for my soul's benefit? What is for my soul's benefit? Don't, don't think it has to be a grand choice. It has to be a grand choice. It can be a small one as well. It can be a small one as well, period. They're saying period. Mm. Taking the time to ask that question, taking the pause to really ask that. And I think when you're emotionally challenged, the small self gets so loud. Oh yeah. It gets so loud and so coercive in, in the way that it tries to make its case and drive you and kind of hijack, hijack some of your own, you know, endogenous chemicals that release and flood and confuse you just the way that fear can hijack some of those same chemicals. It's almost like the story of the siren where the siren's song yeah, yeah. calls you in and you get that little dose of norepinephrine and adrenaline and all these things that it caused and it lures you in. But the moment you can get a little space, six breaths perhaps, like mm -hmm. I talk about in my book, and six breaths yeah. and a question you can start to hear your soul again, but you just have to get a little a little quiet, uh -huh. take a moment, and, and ask. And really, I think I've always found that I do get the answer when I mm -hmm. do that. It's just when I listen to the distracted, noisy, small self yelling at me and agree, there it is, that's the loud voice, that must uh -huh. be the right one. So you have an alpha small, you have an oh, alpha for sure. small self. It's just bossing me all the time. <laughs> My yeah. small self is like <laughs> the 14-year-old thinks he's gonna get beat up in the parking lot after school, it's a very different one, yeah. you know? So I'm listening to fear, I'm listening to something else, and that's what I have to counter. Sure. Because fear is gonna get me what I used to know, which is never, ever for my highest good. There's some questions that you ask in here, and uh -huh. I think this is worthy for everybody um, for everybody to ask themselves. So everybody listening, I think, should ask this too. What will make me happy? What does the small self say when this inquiry is made? What will make me happy? What does the true self speak when you ask this question? And for me, when I ask this, you know, like, what will make the small self happy? Well, you know, I hope on it, uh, growth is over 30%. And I hope, uh, you know, this thing happens and this yeah. thing, it's all these external things. You know, my small self wants all of this stuff. Well, I, you know, I hope, you know, Whitney does this and I hope this happens to this. And, and then I ask, well, what is my true self? And it just goes, hmm, love. Yeah. It's like such a simpler, such a simpler answer. Yeah when you actually ask from both levels. And it's not that one is wrong and one is good and one is bad and ignore, but knowing that you can ask both mm -hmm. and just get, okay, this is, and this is kind of what you do with other people, which I think is brilliant and beautiful. You can tap into someone's small self and say, mm -hmm. oh, they're really mad at you about this. They're, mm -hmm. really, they're really upset about this. This is troubling them. And the, well, let me go to them in a higher way. Yeah. And then you go to their higher self. They just love you so much. You know, or whatever, whatever yeah. the thing comes out, and and just recognizing that we're this multiplicity. Mm -hmm. That self isn't this. You know, self isn't <clears throat> self can be extrapolated in many different ways, and yeah. to recognize that we are these forces that are in union together, braided, if you mm -hmm. will, yeah. together, and and recognizing that as self is really important. Yeah, you know, when the guides teach the divine self or the true self, they're saying, you know, we're not making you what you're not, we're showing you who you've always been. <laughs> so it's a claiming of what's always been present that's been denied. It's not some kind of magic 
you know, where somebody hits you on the head with a magic wand and suddenly you're turned into something you've you've never been or even potentially wanted to be. It's not an escape yeah. from a life that you're living. It's the embodiment of of the aspect of self that knows. And once you know, truthfully, and I, I have to say, you know, when I read, and you just described one of the ways that I read, when I read, I'm in my knowing. I'm not questioning the information. And the reason is there's nothing to hold on to, to question. I mean, the, the information's just sort of landing in, and you don't deny it. Like if somebody hands you a hamburger and you taste, and it tastes like beef, you know you're eating a hamburger. You know, mm -hmm. it's just done. There's no question there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a couple things. We're coming to the end here. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to ask, which kind of struck struck out, is the guides, they kind of tease some of this larger information about interesting elements of the world and how creation has been. Mm -hmm. And they mention uh, past civilizations. And I just mm -hmm. wanted to touch on that because that was a really curious part for me because I'm interested in Graham Hancock's work and you know it seems to make a lot of sense. It says, there have been civilizations existing on this planet prior to what you know. We mm -hmm. were there and participatory to them. Mm -hmm. Many of the teaching of our times were sacrificed or lost in the sands of time in ruins of things that will never be found again. But the consciousness that we hold is still present. So I was, I was wondering, you know, this is something that we've kind of, this development, it appears, mm -hmm. is something, at least from a consciousness evolution standpoint, this is another go-round that we've kind of been mm -hmm. through this process yeah. before. And what were the things, was it our own, was it our own undoing that I guess was, would be the most interesting question? Was it our own undoing that caused that consciousness to be lost or was this a planetary cataclysm or? I have no idea. You know, this idea. what you just read, first of all, I, forgot that was in the book whenever they yeah. talk about these things i get nervous because it's like <laughs> why are they talking about this stuff like when they first gave themselves a name in the books i was like oh no you know, no i'm gonna have to deal with this it's like because i was happy when they call themselves the guides it was nice and neutral <laughs> yeah. didn't have any baggage or history to it so i'm gonna ask what happened what happened was you made choices it was choice it was choice they're saying what happened was you affirmed choices that you were firm choices that release cataclysm. Cataclysm can happen again today. It can happen again today. We don't expect it. Well, we don't expect it will, but humanity has chosen prior. But humanity has chosen through this prior. And if it does again, and if it does again, you will return again. You will return again, and eventually you will learn. And eventually you will learn the cost of war, the cost of war, the cost of self-deceit, the cost of self-deceit, the cost of fear, the cost of fear, the cost of fear, the cost of fear is what you see around you, is what you see around you that negates the presence of the divine, that negates the presence of the divine. If you want to call that evil, you may. If you want to call that evil, you may, but in fact, it's a creation, but in fact, it's a creation and your own and your own. Don't even, don't keep it from you don't keep it from you to use as blame to use as blame accept it so you may change it accept it so you may change it if it's accepted if it's accepted it may be renowned in a new way it may be renowned in a new way period 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 and saying period there's it seems that this also kind of when you're saying call it to you you know there there seems to be a an understanding of the the potentiality of 
of who we are. Because as we recognize ourselves as the divine, and as the divine is participatory in all things, mm -hmm. and that the meteor is also divine, and that all of these things, there seems to be a much deeper level of participation with the entire cosmos than we really give credit. We think, okay, we're responsible for us. But well, you know, you you look at Joe Dispenza's work, you realize how much that thoughts can affect the body, the placebo mm -hmm, effect, mm -hmm. the nocebo effect. But it seems that this almost begs the que the idea that not only do we affect ourselves, we affect things a little bit greater collectively. And it's a participatory agreement, of course. Yeah. But that the connection is way deeper than we give it credit. The, the Book of Freedom is a lot about this, and all of their teachings now seem to be moving beyond sort of the small self's idea of comfort, or even, you know, the guys said a long time ago they don't write self-improvement books because, you know, the small self can't improve the small self. It doesn't really work that way, you know. But how can I say this? What they've said many, many times is that how you see the world claims the world. And everything you see, you're in co-resonance with. And how you see anything, and at the level of agreement you come to it with, informs what you see. So the first time I heard this, I didn't get it. And they said, you know, the question was, well, you know, I think I said, so if there's a book on the table in Paris, I am, my consciousness is informing the book on the table in Paris. And they said, yes, the moment you know that there's a book on the table in Paris, your consciousness is informing the book. Now, if I call that book evil, I'm claiming the book in a low vibration. Do you understand this? Mm. So this entire thing is a collective construct that we're operating through. Mm. You know, this idea of creating one's own reality, I don't know. I mean, the question is, you know, well, I didn't create the war. That's the example they always use. Well, I, I didn't create the war, but the guides say you're participatory to the war. And in fact, you're complicit to it by nature of the fact that you're holding it in consciousness. They say, and as long as humanity has war, you're going to be doing this. And you don't believe that you can live on a planet without war because you've had it for so very long. So you're perpetuating the history without even knowing it. So this is about aligning to a level of consciousness where war can't exist. It's not a possibility. Is there anything more, and, and we'll end with this, uh -huh. is there anything more that the people listening, myself, the people in this room, is there anything more that we should be paying attention to other than doing exactly that? Paying attention to yeah. becoming who we are and seeing the world in a way that can allow it to transform. I'm going to go to them because I have no I have no clue. There are two things you can do. There are two things you can do. Know who you are. Know who you are and then know who others are as well. And then know who others are as well. Move beyond the masks you wear. Move beyond the masks you wear, the identity clips, the identity clips that you wear on your pockets, that you wear on your pockets, the thoughts of who people should be, the thoughts of who people People should be move to the divine, move to the divine, or if you prefer the word truth, or if you prefer the word true that exists beyond form, that exists beyond form, move to the truth of their, move to the truth of who they are. If you do this, if you do this, you can know the divine, you can know the divine expressed as them, expressed as them, and yourself as well, and yourself as well. The last thing we'd suggest. 
the last thing we would suggest is to claim love, is to claim love where you are frightened, where you are frightened. It's a simple act. It's a simple act, but they do not coexist. But they do not coexist at the same level of vibration, at the same level of vibration. So to lift anything, so to lift anything is to realize the divine, is to realize the divine that must be there, that must be there. And if love is an easier word to use, and if love is an easier word to use, and it will be for some of you, and it will be for some of you. Work with that, work with that until you know who you are. Until you know who you are, you are playing a game. You are playing a game. It's an interesting game. It's an interesting game. We are not knocking the game. We are not knocking the game, but there are other games. But there are other games, other ways of knowing, other ways of knowing, and you are ready for them. And you are ready for them, period. And they're saying, period. Okay. Well, I want to express my deepest gratitude to you for being open to be uh, the vessel for these words to come through. And of course, for the guides for being the such beautiful allies in this. And, you know, I know from myself when the guides spoke through and they said, we sing your song for you until you know the words. You know, that's what your work has been for me. It's the song that I can always tune back into and use it to... Uh, remember who I am and there's no greater gift and that anybody can do than to sing the song of truth for all people and yourself and so when someone forgets you can remind them of the words just with the presence of who you are and uh, so just the deepest gratitude for me and for everybody who's this work has touched and uh, I'm just honored to be able to participate and and play my part in this beautiful collective that we have the chance to to be a part of. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Everybody, Book of Freedom, it's incredible. Pre-order it now. Um, the audio is also incredible. I recommend getting the text and the audio if you can. It's phenomenal. And share this, you know, share the message, share the work. And you don't have to share it all the time with words. Share it with your sight. You know, share it with how you see things. You know, when you go home to your family, you don't need to talk to them about Paul Selig and the Book of Freedom. You know, you just need to look at them with love and look at them with the truth of who you are and what you see. And maybe there'll be words and maybe there won't be, but don't worry about that. And that would be my my deepest advice is just to carry this with you and and don't be chained to expression in any particular way other than the true expression of what you see and, and who you are. So thank you, everybody. I appreciate you. So much love. Thank you, Paul. Thank you to everybody in the room. Love you guys. I hope you guys were as moved by this podcast as I was. It's obviously such an honor to be able to sit down with Paul and be able to hear the wisdom of the guides. And it was really interesting allowing the guides to come in and give me some personal advice on uh, such an intimate thing as the accident I was in. And if you guys are interested in meeting Paul in person and going to one of his events, there's a code that you can use, and it's just Aubrey, and it's going to give you a 20% discount of all of Paul's in-person workshops. And it's just an awesome opportunity. Sometimes he'll be dictating for his next book and then answering questions, but it really just gives you the opportunity to ask a question to a source of incredible wisdom. You know, I've had Paul over to my house and had all my friends and family there and everybody gets to ask a question. And it's just absolutely remarkable how powerful it is to be able to ask a question 
of someone who has access to the type of wisdom that Paul does. So I really encourage you guys to check that out. And of course, the book that we were speaking about, The Book of Freedom. And if you're listening to this podcast fresh out of the gate, it might not be released yet, but you can pre-order it. And I highly recommend pre-ordering it on both Audible and in physical copy. It's absolutely stunning, this book. And I also have a book review of it up on aubreymarcus.com slash freedom. So you can check it out there as well and see if you're gonna dig it. But I hope after listening to this podcast, you're pretty sure that this book has some value in it because I'm absolutely sure. And I got some great quotes up on my blog as well for you guys who wanna check it out. So thank you so much, everybody. So much love. See you next week.